Hey, on this Baby Bowl episode, we, we talk about Scott Fishbowl rankings. We finally finished up all of our draft stuff. And, Rob, you critiqued my draft, and I critiqued it. Critiqued it? Is critiqued it a word? I, I critiqued your draft as well. I thought you did better than me, but you, you gave me high praise. Yeah, no, I think your your draft was great, honestly. I mean, I really – and obviously, like you said, some things broke right. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I, I really love what you did there. Well, thank you. I listen to a lot of things that you and Pierre say, so that it makes me a little bit better of a fantasy player, as well as doing some of my own research. And speaking about research, we also do that on Underdog Fantasy. We head over there and we not only look at all the different late-breaking news that's happened over the last couple of days, but we also just start talking about the different rankings over there on Underdog as people get prepared for these best ball drafts that they continue to do, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, those those uh, those drafts are coming in... Uh... Early and often, you know, people have been drafting for months and, and uh, it's interesting to see like different ADPs and things like that. But uh, it's it's fun to look at. So uh, thank you for listening for to the Baby Bowl podcast. But also don't forget to set aside that fifty dollars for the Baby Bowl. And also don't forget to set aside the time. Don't 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 fill up all your league stuff. Don't fill all that stuff up until you have an opportunity to join the Baby Bowl, which you can check out at Rob Norton's pinned tweet here very shortly at Norton0723 over on Twitter, and he'll have that pinned up there. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Baby Bowl Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I'm Wes Easley, one of your hosts, as always. And I also have with me the daddy of the Baby Bowl, a savant in fantasy football, a guy who never stops thinking about how he's going to construct a DFS lineup. It is Rob Norton at Norton0723 over on Twitter and the same on TikTok. Hello, Rob. Hey, Wes. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. Did you like your introduction? I did. I did. I did. It was it was nice. It was switching it up a little bit and, and uh, spicing it up a little bit. I try to do both of those things. Plus, I've had a cup of coffee a little bit too late at night. I've had a bowl of ice cream a little bit too late at night. And so it's you got me. You got me hey. now. I'm full steam ahead, Rob Norton. And, and listen, I don't want to dilly-dally. we got a lot of things to cover. We're going to cover the Scott Fish Bowl, our last little parts of that. Also, some important news coming up here on the Baby Bowl. I've been informed of some secret information that we are going to let out of the bag. If the cat is in the bag, we're going to let the cat out of the bag tonight here, Rob Norton. And you may be going, uh, what, what, what exactly is the cat? I'll tell you what the cat is. <laughs> I'll tell you what the cat is. You already told me what the cat was. So if you don't remember, I'll tell you what it is a little bit later. But we're also going to go over some NFL news because there has been a lot of news that that I think will impact fantasy football in the future and in this season a little bit. And I want to get your thoughts on that because you are, like I said, a fantasy football savant. All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. No worries. Hey, um, before, well, can we do the baby bowl thing? Cause people are listening to the baby bowl. I'm going to try and persuade a lot of people to join the baby bowl again this year. Uh, it's 150 people. We've had approximately last season. We keep, we keep like doubling. We keep, you know, we, we have good numbers. We, we keep trending upward on the baby bowl entry entries, Rob. And so it's a $50 entry fee, just so everybody knows. And a third of it, third of it, third, we, we, we put some towards charity. A lot of it goes in the prize pool. You have a chance to win the prize at the end of the year. The winner last year won uh, 800 bucks, I believe. Correct me where I'm wrong, Rob. You just just interject there because you know me. I, I don't remember numbers very well. But he won. The, the person won 800 bucks last year. We also have a Babel Playoff Edition. That person won a lot of money as well. So not only are you doing good things for charity, but you're also doing good things for your wallet, hopefully, as well. Right, Rob? Am I, am I good? 
I think so. I don't know that. I, I was say I don't. I don't know offhand the uh, the the top prize amounts from last year. Um, as bad as that may sound, but um, yeah, I know it was uh, upwards of eight hundred dollars for sure for the uh, yeah. regular season champion, and and a pretty good amount for the playoff too. So, yeah, um, like you said, play. Uh, there's a, a half goes to charity, half goes to prize pool. Um, the half that goes to charity that's split in half between two. Um, two different charities, um, Ashley's Embrace and uh, March of Dimes. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a fun fun event, unique event, and hopefully we get a lot of people to join again this year. Player elimination is what it is. You you use the player one week, you don't get to use them the rest of the year. So that's real simple. Don't have to really uh, set lineups too much or anything. It, 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 great to break up the monotony of the redraft season. Now, listen, here's the cat. You ready for the cat? You told me about I'm the ready. cat. I, I'm holding you. I'm holding your feet to the fire, my friend. And this weekend, you said you're you're getting some things in order to be able to send out those reminders and those invitations to people. I can't wait for your pin tweet. I, I can't wait to pin something over on the FI Today with a little underscore Twitter handle as well. So then I can infiltrate all these different chat rooms that I have been involved in. And and even we got the Raz Bowl coming up next week. So I'm going to be involved in more chat rooms. And I'll be like, hey. Don't forget to set your $50 aside. Hey, don't forget that you want to set some time aside to be able to join the Bay Bowl at the end of all these different big bowl events. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's, that is still a plan. I am still planning on, because uh, I, I work this Saturday. Um, so once I get so, caught up with my work, I should be able to um, have some time to do my own thing and then uh, get the leagues kind of set up and get it going. Um so yeah, I'm planning on uh, starting Rob, to the soft th- soft invite this Saturday. Rob, Rob, your boss might listen to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, and, and you always talk about working on fantasy football stuff during your working time. I, I don't know how you. I'd be sitting in a bread truck doing that, and it it wouldn't work well out there in Danville, Alabama. Danville, me and Scooter and Cooter would be able to put those things together. <laughs> hey, some breaking news on the NFL front. Not only do we have breaking news on the baseball front that the invitations are going to be going up very, very soon and reminders for those things, but Isaiah Pacheco, I don't know if you heard about this. He's ready for an increased workload. He's had a lot of things go on this summer, a couple of tweaks here and there, a couple of boo-boos here and there, but he said he's ready to go. What, what about Isaiah Pacheco? How high you have him on your board going into redraft season next year? Um, I'm not quite as high on him as a uh, consensus. I think I have him below consensus. Uh, he's, he's a guy that for me, like I like watching him play. I like watching him run. He kind of runs, runs a little bit like Marion Barber for those that remember Marion Barber. Um, and uh, he's just, he's a violent runner. And, but my, my main thing with Pacheco is that he's still um, in a committee. He probably should get the most carries of the group, but I don't see him getting much pass work. Uh, they still have Jarek McKinnon. Um, CEH is still around, uh, you know, getting some touches here and there and things like that. And those two, I would expect to get more of the pass work. And the, the offense is still, you know, designed around Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and sure. those guys. So he's going to have some spike games when he can get a couple touchdowns and things like that. But um, I think he's going to be kind of frustrating. One of those guys where if he gets a touchdown, you're going to be fine with it. If he doesn't get a touchdown, you're probably not going to be happy with the output. Yeah. It looks like a, you know, probably a 10, 10 to 12 with, and, and maybe with a touchdown, it'd be like a 15 point game, you know, maybe even an eight to 10 game from Pacheco, you know, and, yeah, and then yeah. Jarek McKinnon is going to be the same way. 
You know what I mean? Like it just mm-hmm. that that's how it feels. And CEH is going to be standing there on the sidelines looking at things. You know, just, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I think the third I think the third back in all of that is actually going to be Tony. You know, I just I think he's the third down. I, I not not you know he's the third back in the system, right? Kadarius Tony. You know, you know, Andy Reid's thinking of some ways to get him open, and a lot of that's going to involve, in my opinion, those tricky kind of plays that Andy Reid draws up. Where he's thrown it four yards behind the line of scrimmage and Contarius Tony has it in a bunch of space to make people miss. So I that's I think that's where CEA, CEH's touches are going to go is Kadarius uh, Tony. So yeah, that's my no, it very 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 well could be they're going to um, try to get Tony the ball in a lot of different ways. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. At Washington football team, the Commanders, whatever their name is this year, Daniel Snyder, a private equity investor, Josh Harris, has bought the team with a unanimous vote. I, I say bought. I don't know if it, I, it's weird, right? I mean, this, th- he was supposed to get rid of the team years ago, it feels like, now at this point. And now it's a unanimous vote. I thought they've already voted on this thing, but it's it's maybe official now. I don't know what that means for this franchise's future. I think Ron Revere is definitely like on a hot seat, if not a really warm seat. Because they had that offensive coordinator from the Chiefs that came over there. And, and speaking of that, Rob, when we go into the Scott Fishbowl, I have a pleasant little surprise that I did uh, for the Scott Fishbowl, by the way. But the offensive coordinator has come over from the Chiefs there in Washington. I think that that means that a new regime may be bringing in a new head coach as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, yeah, like you said, it feels like it's he's been selling the team for years at this point. So it's nice to get some some closure on it. Alliance have placed Hendon Hooker on the active NFI list. What what does that mean? How, how many lists do the NFL have? You know, like you got a pup list, you got a uh, the, somebody who can't play list, you got a got this list. I, I don't know what all these things mean, but we're not drafting Hendon Hooker in anything right now, are we? No, I don't think so. Um, he's coming off injury. Uh, he has some potential, and um, you know, it's more long term potential than anything, but. Yeah, uh, Jared Goff's the guy there for sure. Um, I can I can't see Hooker playing this season unless injury to Goff. What about Dynasty? Um, man, he's it's... he's the last one on my board. I'm telling you, I watched this guy play football uh, at Tennessee, and there was a lot of fly patterns. Yeah, huck it and chuck it football. There was a, there was a lot of that going on. I don't know if that's going to translate well to the NFL. Uh, I I just don't. I. I I don't think he's as athletic as he first appears. Just the things I watch. That's me. I, I don't. I'm not high on him in dynasty leagues. Yeah, no, that's that's fair for sure. Um, I I don't necessarily have him too high either. Um, I have him below Will Levis, Ryan Tannehill, Brock Purdy, Stafford, Howell, Ritter, Mac Jones. So, so yeah, it's it's um it's just a guy. It's just a stash at this point. Um, and a long term stash. But I still want to say I have a hooker on my team. So yeah, it's one of those things that I got from. I mean, it's just it's just the, the 13-year-old boy in me. Uh, Denzel Mims. Oh, no, no, no. I got to let the cat out of the bag there. Michael Bagley. Is it Bagley? Bagley? Badgley? That's what I said. Bad, Badgley, I think. Badgley. Badgley. Michael Badgley was released by the Detroit Lions, the kicker extraordinaire that they have inside of a dome. So, you know, you always want to pick on a Badgley inside of a dome. But he was released to make room for Denzel Mims. The Lions acquired him from the Jets. Any fantasy impact with Denzel Mims going to the Detroit Lions? Does that bump Marvin Jones out of the rotation? It's possible, but I, I doubt it right now. Um, Mims has been, you know, a bust 
so far to this point in his career, unfortunately. Um, hopefully getting out of New York and in, in, in a new environment maybe could uh, rejuvenate him a little bit because he had some talent, it seemed like, uh, coming out coming out of college and he was athletic, and so, but it hasn't worked out so far. So hopefully for his sake and for the Lions' sake, uh, it can work out better. Not a lot of receivers there, though. You know, when you're talking about dynasty kind of stuff, maybe that does have a little hope for Denzel Mims. It just they don't have. I mean, and I know they got the kid from Alabama suspended eight eight weeks. I feel I believe it is. I don't think that it's going to be impactful. Maybe this year. You never know, though. They they go through they go through players like water there in Detroit. It just seems like he'll have a shot at some point this year in Detroit to make a name for himself. Jordan Addison, speaking about having a shot, he has a shot for sure going 140 miles per hour in a 55 mile per hour zone. I think that this has fantasy impact. Another boy, things are just going my way at Scott Fishbowl. I'm telling you, we can't I I don't want to talk about it all, but uh, this has some K.J. Osborne news to me written all over it right here, Rob. I think K.J. Osborne has now become maybe a little bit fantasy relevant again. Yep, definitely possible. Um, it's going to be interesting because I, I don't know what to expect to come out of this. I don't know if he's going to get a fine, a suspension, or what what goes on here. Um, it's a bummer for well, for Addison obviously, and for the sure. the Vikings. Uh, he he, uh, you know, first round pick and and looked like a talented receiver. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, disciplinary actions come out of this. Um, hopefully, for his sake and for the Vikings' sake, it's not. Not too much, but yeah, I mean, that's 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 going pretty fast. It, no, it is going pretty fast. I, that, look, NFL players do that kind of stuff all the time, all the time. Yep. And so, you know, that's just that. But it's it's dangerous. And kids out there, you know, Hutch, don't don't be don't be speeding like that, Hutch. Come on, man. <laughs> doing that. Exactly, exactly. Learn, learn, learn the lesson here, and and don't do it. All right, it is time to roast. roast it is time to roast each other on our uh, Scott Fishbowl drafts. Okay, so I'm going to go over there, and I am looking at the Scott Fishbowl stuff here. And I sent yours to you earlier, so it should be easy to pull up for me, but it, it won't be because I'm playing with the computer. So that's that's just mm-hmm. it. I sent you mine as well, Rob. Did you did you yep. like mine? I did. Homemade. Homemade. It, 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 yes, it was homemade. I, I don't know where the little computer thing is. I don't know where to look for it, really. Honestly, that's oh, okay. And yeah, and then I start, it. yeah, I start doing it, and then I you know pulled out the crayons, and I was just having a good time with that. You know, I, it really felt good. Hey, as long as it, as long as it's a fun time, that's all it's about, right? It's about having fun. So, yeah, busting out the crayons, feeling like a kid again. It's 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 fun. I flunked art class. I had to trace stick figures. I was so bad in art class, though, Rob. <laughs> that was just that's terrible. It was not. It was not a strong suit of mine either. I had to, it was, it was, it was the, probably the class I tried the hardest at and, and uh, throughout high school and I still didn't, I still got to be in it. So I didn't give up though. I kept drawing pictures on bathroom walls. So that was, you know, that was yeah. stuff that I did. Uh, hey, let me look. First thing I, first thing I noticed, first thing that jumps out at me, I cannot believe that you took five quarterbacks in the Scott Fishbowl this season, Rob. Explain to me that. I mean, it, I, I understand. I think last year I went into it with three, and I wanted to walk out of the room a little bit more than with three this year, but five? Yeah, so once I got to a point where I was taking, I, I was waiting on my top two QBs, um, you know, I didn't I didn't take Russell Wilson until 6.04 and, and Bryce Young until 8.04. So after that, I wanted to make sure, you know, with the scoring format this year, 
it is like to me it's crucial that you start two QBs every single week, no matter what, even if they're the worst sure. QB in the league. Sure. Um because the volume for volume scoring for QBs is so good. There's no negatives for anything, no interceptions, fumbles, incompletion sacks, anything like that, like there was last year. Um so basically what I did is, you know, I took Russell Wilson, took Bryce Young, and then waited um and took Desmond Ritter and Ryan Tannehill. Um, now I'm, I wasn't confident either one of those was going to start the entire season. Um, so that's why I ended up, uh, taking Will Levis later on. Um, I was debating between like a Will Levis or Taylor Heineke. I felt like Will Levis has more upside than Heineke uh, just from a prospect standpoint, as well as, um, you know, the offense, like I trust the Titans more than the Falcons, uh, even though I like the Falcons weapons better, but, um, but yeah, so basically by doing so I have, I feel like I have Russ and Bryce pretty much going to start all year. Um, I can have, I can play matchups, um, Desmond Ritter, Tannehill and Levis between Tannehill and Levis. I should have a starter all year and then Ritter. We'll see how long he lasts. Um, but you, that way, I'm pretty much guaranteeing I have uh, Q, two QBs every single week, even on bye weeks. Okay, so I'm, I'm getting down to my last pick, and I, so I, I did uh, right before I, I I got I picked Gardner Minshew. Okay, so he was still on the board, so I got him. I like uh, it because you know he has the potential to start at the beginning of the year. You never know how long he will start. He's always one of those guys who's just waiting in the background. It feels like, and could put up good numbers there in Indianapolis, I believe, with that mm-hmm. with that receiving core. Uh, but do I need to handcuff Desmond Ritter? I mean, you, you sound very concerned, and I know that we went over some things earlier w- this season with prize picks and how low Desmond Ritter's totals were, and that was one of the first things out of your mouth was, ooh, I wonder how much they're planning on playing Taylor Heineke, or at least they, prize picks thinks they're going to play ta- Taylor Heineke. Yeah, that's the thing is, like I said, I like Ritter. Um, well, I, I like him from a fantasy perspective. I don't know how I feel about him, um, real in real life and long term, and I don't know how uh, committed they are to him. Um, so that's the thing is, I mean, I mean, in your situation though, you, you did take QBs a little bit earlier than I did, um, at least your first one. And then, so, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Um, I mean, it, it would be if you took Heineke, it would be a safe move because then you're just guaranteeing you have um, pretty much three QBs all year, um, no matter what. So it wouldn't be a bad move. Um, I would pro- probably kind of like it, actually, because I'm um, looking at your team with Justin Fields, not to ruin it for everyone, but um, he is on by week 13. So when you get around to that week 13 and it's it's playoffs, and you're starting C.J. Stroud, and if Desmond Ritter is not the starter anymore, and Anthony Richardson say Anthony Richardson is st- starting at that oh, point, then you might be, snakes, yeah. yeah, you might yeah. be, you might be sitting there with just one QB. Um, so Heineke could be a, situ- uh, a situation where you yeah. are guaranteeing yourself three, three all year. Okay, and uh, let me also, as I continue to critique your super fish Scott Fishbowl uh, roster here, you, you kept. Pounding. You kept stressing. Tight end. Tight end. Tight end. Yeah, late round tight ends. Tight ends. Tight ends. I heard you. I know. I can play it back for you, Rob, if you want me to. And then <laughs> I look at your roster, and you have three tight ends. That's it. Kelsey, Pitts, Aconqua, Chig is what people call them. That's it. That's all you got. Why, why only yeah. three? 
Yeah, so it, it wasn't necessarily by plan. Um, I did want to get two or three high-end ones, and I feel like I did that So with Kelsey, Pitts, and Chig. So um, after that point, I was kind of trying to get some, any kind of, you know, sleeper late round kind of guys that I like, whether it was, was targeting like a Hayden Hurst, especially with having Bryce Young. Um, I was looking at Dulcich, especially with having Russ. Um, yeah. So I, I was trying, trying for those kind of guys. Um, but uh, tight ends, tight ends got pushed up pretty, pretty high in my league. Whereas like QBs kind of fell a little bit like Russ, Russ and Bryce going six Oh four and eight Oh four was, not the normal uh when i was looking around uh i got qbs well well past um adps like i got ritter 1204 Hill 1309 both those guys were like 20 30 picks past adp um so what happened was basically it was just a situation where tight ends got pushed up real real high i was glad i already had three high-end ones and then from that point, I didn't have a lot of running backs and um, the QBs slid. So that's kind of where I took the value. Okay, uh, That makes sense. Uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, like I, I, because we know that there is some additional scoring for tight ends in this system. So there might be a couple of more boom weeks for tight ends. And so I look at this and I'm going, oh, Rob, I wish you would have had more tight ends. But I see what you did. You 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 handcuffed every running back in the league is what you've done because <laughs> you got two two great you got your nick chubb you got your tony pollards then you got roshan johnson a third string by the way i'm, I'm in a timeshare at least at best in chicago which is fine you know it's fine yeah Tajay spears who who doesn't have any knees i don't he doesn't have mcls doesn't have acls or something something like that uh who, need, who needs them right <laughs> you got some guy so yeah, you got three guys. Okay. I've heard of Zach Evans before because he was a little darling that came out one week last, last year. I remember, I remember he was all over the waiver wires last year. I, th- I think, right. Zach Evans. Is that right? He was there last year, right? Lamar, in Los um, Angeles. I'm and, not and sure. I thought the athleticism, he's not a rookie. He's not a rookie. the athleticism and all that stuff. I've just heard his name before. Right. Am I right? I'm not sure. I, I was thinking Zach Evans was a rookie this year. But yeah, maybe yeah. that got me thrown off. I may, I may be wrong on that. No, we gotta Google that. Somebody Google. Hey, get our intern here to to Google Zach yes. Evans, see if he's a rookie or not, and tell us. Uh, then you got Israel. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. Okay, well, fine. That's somebody. They had somebody else in the Los Angeles backfield, just like Zach Evans. They had his Doppelger, yeah. and it was a oh, super athletic, super guy, super guy. And it's just, it's just what Los Angeles does. Israel Abakanda Kande Day. Hold on, let me. I got this. I got this. <laughs> Having a Conde, do I have that at all? <laughs> the, what, I, what I've heard is about about <laughs> Israel Abanaconda. Look, no, you said it right. I think you, you got it closer than I did. We we record this late at night. Uh, for for you know, I mean, it is it's getting late. I've said a lot of words uh, uh, throughout this day. So, and I know Rob has as well. Rob, Rob was dealing with a flooding situation before he came. So we're we've had a lot. Of, it's it's late. We're trying to relax, have some fun. You you got a guy named Sean Tucker. When I saw you had uh, drafted a guy named Sean Tucker with your twenty two oh four, I said, oh, Rob drafted a kicker because that sounds like a kicker, not a running back. Rob <laughs> Sean Tucker is what you took, but the prize possession here maybe might be Zamir White is what you also took in eighteen oh four. Did you? Did you take Zamir White before the news about uh, no signing of Josh Jacobs from uh, you know earlier this week? I think it was right after. 
Um, okay. Although I have been, I've been eyeing up Zimmer and White for this exact, I mean, that kind of exact reason all along. I like, I like to obviously, as you can see, I like taking guys who look like they might be the clear handcuff. Um, all those guys down there look like they they have a, a real shot at being like the clear handcuff that would see a ton of work if the starter went down. So I like stashing those kind of guys. Cause those are the guys that if, you know, if news breaks, like for example, if Josh Jacobs does hold out, Zamir white is shooting up draft boards. Zamir white would be, you know, if it was during the regular season, if Josh Jacobs went down, Zamir white would be the headliner of all the waiver wire articles. So stashing those kind of guys, that's like, that's what I like to do. Stash, stash those upside, uh, plays and get ahead of the waiver wire. Um, that way you don't have to use your your fab and your waiver priority on those guys. Sure, and trying to stay, I like to stay a week ahead, try to stay a week ahead of those things a little bit, and then Scott Fishbowl, you can get him for you know zero you know, sometimes on, on some of those guys a little bit there. Uh, let's see, let's see, what else What else did I notice here? Uh, four, you ended up two, four, six wide receivers, no kickers at all. Six wide receivers with a DK Metcalf, a Christian Watson, Traylon Burks in Tennessee. That's kind of that kind of hurts now. A little sting right there. Mm, a little uh, bit, yeah. uh, JSN over in Seattle, Rondale Moore. I like that pick uh, because it's just there's not a lot of weapons there, and if he's going to stay on the field a little bit, that's going that's going to be that's going to be good for him. And a Jalen Hyatt for the New York Giants. It's tough, man. New York Giant wide receivers were falling drastically in in the scott fishbowl and it's like okay i know why because we don't know who to take we don't know which one to take so i like the upside with jalen hyatt anyway and i, I believe he probably has close to the most speed out of all, probably both sides too out of all those guys yeah for sure because you know wandale is fairly small he's quick small but he's got i, I like wandale a little bit too but he's uh he's coming off an acl um, Slayton has Slayton does have decent size. He might be the biggest, um, but the, you know, either way though, uh, Hyatt to me is kind of the most upside of that giants group because we don't really know what he, what he is. You know, he's, he's a third round, uh, rookie prospect flashed in, in at Tennessee a little bit. And, um, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's an ambiguous situation. This is the type of thing that I like to take a chance on, you know, when people, like you said, people don't want to draft into these situations because they don't know, they don't have a good feel for what's going to happen. But if you lean into that uncertainty, you lean into that and just take some shots at it, you know, whether you're doing, when you're doing multiple drafts, whether it's Scott Fishbowl, best ball drafts, all that kind of stuff, take, take flyers on, on those kind of guys. Cause someone might end up emerging and that's going to be, end up being a great value. Well, I do that way too often, Rob, and people are about to see that a little bit on this, on <laughs> my draft board that you are going to now critique. Hey, uh, go ahead. Be gentle with me, though, Rob. Be gentle. I'm no savant like you. <sighs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think yours is uh, pretty, pretty strong when I'm looking at it. Um, I'm winning it all. I've, I've already told you I'm winning it all. <laughs> That's all I needed was a little bit more encouragement to have my, uh, you know, my confidence built up a little bit more. Out of all the 3,300 teams, Rob, I do think I have the winning, the winning formula. I think, I think it's really good to be honest. Um, yeah. So one thing that jumps out to me is, like you said, when I when I was preaching about the, the tight ends, you did follow through with that. Went four straight tight ends at one point, um, <laughs> which. I, yeah, there were, there, were, I, there were no tight ends taken. There was, but there, there there were, but there weren't. You know, there were some teams that had a lot, and then there were some teams that were coming up on both sides of me that didn't have any. And I'm like, oh, forget it, man. I'm taking them. I, you know, I'm just gonna handcuff yeah. these guys. 
ahead. Yeah, I, I like it because um, the only one I don't really like is Logan Thomas. But again, I mean, it's 1505. <laughs> How much can you really complain too much about that? But yeah, I said, I mean, you took Kyle Pitts at, at 408. I, I love that value. I took him at 404. So obviously, I love it at 408 too. Um, I like Tyler Higby. I've always kind of liked Tyler Higby, though. But there's been some encouraging stuff about Tyler Higby where he was he had really good metrics until their offensive line got really banged up. And then all of a sudden, his route percentage just dropped off the map because they you had to use him to block all the time uh, since their offensive line was so bad. So if their offensive line is healthy and improved, uh, he should be get back to running more routes, which is where he was successful for a while. Um, you took the Hayden Hurst, like I, like I said, I, I, uh, wanted to get Hayden Hurst. I'm jealous that these guys dropped to the, cause none of these guys were there at those, those points that you took them at. <laughs> so I will say, so one thing that jumps out to me too, is, um, the other, or the other thing that jumps out to me is the, oh, I knew I, I was going to say Samaj P Ryan. Um, I figured you're going to go with him. Are you confident he's going to start all year? That's a good question. Uh, am I? I I am, uh, but I I am really wishfully thinking on this. I, you and I talk about this a lot about the injuries that that end up happening to running backs, and then how long it takes for those guys to actually come back and be effective. Look, mm-hmm. if he's going to miss training camp time, which I don't know that he's necessarily missing training camp time. I don't know that we could believe anything coming out of any training camps at this point, especially a Sean Payton t- training camp. Okay. So uh, whenever I hear of any, you know, all the smoke, Hey, I'm going to play this year. You know, we saw those things, those little clips earlier. It, look, he doesn't sound healthy to me. It sounds like a smoke screen out there in Denver. So I was maybe reaching a little bit for some IGP ran. I don't know that I did. I, 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 searched it a little bit to see what kind of ADP was going on at the present time whenever I took him. And it seemed like, you know, I may have been reaching a little bit, but at the same time I saw him go in eighth round of some drafts. So I think that he could get a stronghold of that running back room in that situation. And long-term, I don't know that Denver necessarily wants to jeopardize the younger running back and so maybe they just give Samaji Piran the RB1 status, and so he does, just doesn't ever let it go. And if they're flowing good, if things are going well in the Sean Payton system, I, I've seen even the Sean Payton system be able to support two running backs. So it doesn't really matter to me too much whether he's the only guy there or whether or not he's sharing time. So I, I really like my Samaji Piran thing, I, and that may be wishfully thinking. No, I, I I think it's good too, especially with considering the build that you had um, – you know, taking only one like real early with Derrick Henry, um, and then the having David Montgomery oh, at six oh eight. And I knew, I mean, I knew you, I knew you. We talked about it that you had Montgomery. I figured you would be getting Montgomery, um, but that's the thing is with Montgomery, there is risk of him not getting huh? a full time workload. So huh? taking a guy like Piran, you can you can uh, supplement with that. And then, I mean, I can't I can't knock the uh, the handcuff stash is obviously I took Zemir White, so same as you, and I like uh, I like old Leonard, Leonard Fournette taking him late as a stash as well. So I can't can't critique it too much. Um, yeah, okay, can, I mean, can I back it up? Back it up. I'm gonna back it up here just for a minute. Yeah, you said you didn't like the Logan Thomas thing. Mm-hmm. I, I know you don't like Logan Thomas. I brought up Logan Thomas's name one time previously in this season's edition of the Bayable Podcast, and and I. I <laughs> 
I heard you just scoff a little bit. I mean, you, you're a nice guy always. You always season everything you say with a little bit of salt. But I can tell whenever you don't like somebody and you don't like Logan Thomas. And I don't understand why you don't like Logan Thomas. Let me tell you something, man. Okay? Are you listening to me? Listen, yeah, I'm listening. Listen I'm listening. to me, Rob Norton, brother. Listen to me. <laughs> you have Ron Rivera there who, who just loves to help the tight end position explode okay he, he just he just loves to do that look back in his days uh with with uh, with carolina and how what was his name greg greg something greg the, my, my old bears tight end what was his name greg olson greg olson, greg olson. Hey, yeah i knew you know greg olson and, and boom you know perennial all-star right or all pro whatever they call it. and then you, you look at what's the guy what's the coach's name that came over from kansas city the enemy eric b enemy you look at what did Eric B. Enemy? Did he have anything to do with Travis Kelsey? You a little, a little bit, bit, maybe, a little bit, right? I mean, a little bit, right? So we're coming out of a Kansas City style offense, or we have that coming over to Washington. We have a Ron Rivera style offense in Carolina. Look, everything's setting up for Logan. Uh, Logan Thomas is <laughs> everything is setting up for him to return to a form that he has been able to have for at least eight games in his NFL career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible for sure. Um, and again, it's a, it's a 15th round pick, so it's hard to, hard to really critique nothing. Nothing's a sure thing, especially a 15th round pick. So it's a, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt here, but yeah, I mean, ultimately my thing with uh, Logan Thomas is like at this point, He's 32, coming off some major major injuries. Um, averaged 5.5 fantasy points per game last year. Um, don't don't hit me with facts, okay? Do not hit me with facts. <laughs> yeah, and I, that was the thing is like even so he still ran the 16th most routes on the season um, of any tight end, but his target share was 21st. His target per route run was 31st. Air yard share was 19th. Yards per outrun was 37th. Um, yards per target, 37th. So it kind of just, he, he, I feel like he's at this point where. He was hurt, Rob. He, he was hurt. I know, last I, year know for a big I know. Majority part of the city. And then, then the, was, the Washington was. football team had nothing to play for. Nothing to play that, for. Yeah. That is fair. That is fair. I I just feel like at this point, like he was, he was like I said, he was hurt. And I, I feel it's more likely that he is on the downslope basically like ending his career and Cole Turner is going to take over for that for him then it would be for him to rebound but oh, at the same time very possible you want a rookie rookie tight end to unseat Logan <laughs> Thomas who was a quarterback in college <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say that too. You know, just all those things. All right, uh, my worst, my my worst, my hated, most hated pick out of all this was Noah Font. I don't know what I was thinking. I was blocking those guys. Is what I was doing. I was trying to block everybody around me in the Stake and Jake division from being able to get a tight end at all. And I went, I looked up at everything. I went, Noah Font. What, why would I do that? Will Disley's always mm-hmm. stealing touchdowns, and they they got three wide receivers now. Noah Font. That's a terrible pick. So I I was upset at myself for that uh, personally that that was my worst one okay yeah no i it's um that's that's one where i i don't love it i don't hate it um he i think it is a crowded situation like you said disley is there and they added jsn so it's probably more likely than not that he's not really gonna do a whole lot but the one thing that he does have going for him is like 
he has like very, very good athleticism uh, for a tight end. Uh, and, and, you know, his age adjusted numbers, like when he was first starting out, obviously it's a different situation now, but he was, he was really good uh, to start his career. So there are encouraging signs for him. It's just, like you said, he seems like they, he's not a full-time player with this when Disley's around and, and uh, now they had JSN. So it's just a crowded spot to try to get a lot of targets. I had to get that Hayden Hurst pick. Hayden Hurst has I done like very well in the league. You know what I mean? He's done very well. And then putting him there with Bryce Young, I, I think the the quarterback, the young quarterback's eyes are going to go towards the tight end, and and Hayden Hurst has always shown where he can uh, create a little separation in the, in the defensive backfield to be able to have an open target for a Bryce Young. So I like that. Yeah, to me, Hayden Hurst is kind of like the discount Dalton Schultz this year. I, I, okay. That's how I feel. Um, they both, and it's funny because they both have a rookie QB. Both have Stroud and C, and uh, Bryce Young. And, but the thing is, is like Schultz has been better, um, over the last couple of years. Um, but he's also been in a more advantageous situation for, for him. Like, you know, he was in Dallas the past couple of years where he was the second, you know, last year, for example, he was a second target behind CD lamb. Whereas Hayden Hurst was in also in a good offense and Cincy, but you're not second target when you have chase and Higgins. <laughs> so, and even if one of them gets hurt, Tyler Boyd. So he's, okay. you know, fourth. He was like a fourth guy on that offense. Now he's on a situation, like you said, where he could be a top two target on his team. And that's what we kind of look for when, when looking for, especially for late round guys. He was, like I said, he was on my radar. I wanted to get him a lot, especially having Bryce Young. But um, he went, I think, like two or three rounds earlier than where you got him. Okay. Uh, what now? And uh, I, I didn't write down anything. You talked about David Montgomery, Derrick Henry there. Uh, and and th- some of these things just started shaking out for me as the draft went on. I reached for a, De- a DeAndre Hopkins, right? A little bit. I won't say reach. 705 seemed to be reasonable to me. And then all of a sudden the news broke. I knew he was going to sign somewhere, but then he, you know, number one, the alpha male in Tennessee, there's no competition mm-hmm. for other wide receivers. I was like, oh boy, that broke my way, right? And then yeah. uh, I had as the Zamir White pick. I don't know if I picked him before or after that news. I know he was on, I, I want to say it was before my news, uh, before the news broke is when I took Zamir White. And then the news broke about not having Josh Jacobs resign and Saquon Barkley not resign and everything. And so, you know, the holdout things, I thought Zamir White was one of the better handcuffs is going into it. And then KJ Osborne, I picked KJ Osborne before the news broke today about those things as well with, with the speeding incident. And I'm going, boy, all these things are just lining up for me. This is terrible news, Rob. Things don't usually line up well for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it definitely is all, <laughs> all breaking your way right now. Um, it definitely helps make, like you said, if you feel like the picks were a little bit of a reach and it doesn't look like it anymore, at least. So, um, you know, had uh, we started the draft today, I bet Hopkins goes where you got him more earlier, honestly. And then same thing, Zamir White, possibly. Um, that's why I feel good about the Zamir White for me uh, in the 18th round. Um, so that one ended up going my way, too. And uh, But, yeah, I... I I mean, I can't, I can't pick this apart too much because I, I, I like, I had told you before, I like Justin Fields. Um, I think he's one of the last QBs to take, um, if available in the first round. And then Tyreek is clearly an alpha receiver. And like I was mentioning before, you know, if you have, I like getting like any of like the top 24, top 30 ish receivers. And then after that point, 
I'm kind of just shooting for upside. And I think you have three top 24 top 30 receivers. Um, and then you, from that point, you did like what I would have done, waited, taken, taken the other positions. So, um, and then went for upside with now the KJ Osborne one, I would have, I wouldn't have liked had not that Addison part <laughs> came through. Um, cause I, I didn't think there was very much upside with KJ Osborne until this happened. <laughs> if, if depends on the Addison situation, but obviously it's picks looking a lot better now. Okay, Uncle Lenny, he was there on the board for me as well. Uh, running backs were thin. I mean, it, it got thin very fast. I think that's why I took Samir White where I did because it was all backup running backs at that point, and they were flying mm-hmm. off the board, flying off the board. So I'm like, I got to find one. Let me find one here. And then Samir White was there, and that's why I took Uncle Lenny at 17, 17.05 was because there weren't any really left. I I thought Uncle if, – if Leonard Fournette – he still has the potential to be, uh, I don't want to say a workhorse back, but he has the potential to be, you know, the RB one in a place. And I think about rumored that he goes to the Patriots. We know how Bill Belichick likes to hammer home somebody. Leonard Fournette is the goal line back. Ramondre Stevenson would not be the goal line back. He didn't do very well last year. The last memory I have of him, I think, is fumbling at the down near the goal line. Look, he threw it backwards to the other team at some point last season. I don't necessarily think that he's really high on the Bill Belichick. We got to give him all the work list if he doesn't. If Leonard Fournette goes to New England, yeah, no, I I agree. Um... It's a bummer because I'm I've been high on Ramondre uh, for best ball draft so far, um, and uh, I have him. I think it was like running back nine or ten or something. So, um, yeah, that that signing would um, put a damper on uh, uh, Ramondre for sure. Uh, Fournette would be probably a guy that could get some pass work, could get some. Yeah. They it's funny because they kind of play similar roles. They're like bigger backs that aren't necessarily like they're not they're not known as bruisers because they're, they're both capable in the passing game and they kind of have like quick feet. Um, and, um, they're quicker than you expect for being big guys, but they're not also not fast is <laughs> the way you'd, you'd say it. But, but yeah, so they're very similar players. So it'd be really interesting to see how the, uh, uh, work shakes out between them. And not only that, I think about the Tampa Bay and New England connection that there seems to have been the last couple of years, you know, especially with Tom Brady. I'm sure if if even the thought of going to if New England's reaching out to Leonard Fournette, they've done a little bit of work. They may have even called Tom Brady and said, hey, what do you think of this guy? You know, I mean, is he, is he going to fit in our set? You know, so there might be a similarity there. I don't think there's going to be a lot of learning curve, stuff like that. So. I don't know. I thought it was a good pick. I thought it was a good draft. Yeah. Oh, my my favorite one, uh, Richie James Jr. Oh, is that <laughs> is that what he's going by? I, I don't know what I he's going so. by. He's a lot smaller than I thought. When I when I looked at his little, I'm like, boy, he's only like five eight or five nine, five ten, whatever he was. He he was smaller than I thought. Uh, maybe it's the hair that I think is big. But uh, Richie James, Kansas City wide receiver. I got him at 2008. There's not a lot. It's slim pickings. I'm looking for upside, and I needed another wide receiver. I thought so. I I went ahead and got him. Any possibility there that shakes out? Huh? You think? I think so. I actually like taking him in in late in drafts, best ball drafts. It's another situation where it's an ambiguous uh, pecking order for and for the targets in Kansas City. We know Travis Kelsey's the alpha, but after that, we don't really know. I mean, Rishi Rishi Rice, Sky Moore, kind of like some of the favorites at MVS is there, but Richie James, he 
he signed there and uh, he was productive down the stretch last season for the Giants. So I could easily see him um, being being a guy that uh, ends up being a great value late in drafts. You know what else I saw about Richie James was that and and so I, I you know I was looking at all the different wide receivers that were left and I was trying to think of picking some from a high octane offense like a Kansas City or you know someplace like that and I saw his name on there I was like huh all right so I made me a little list of, of different names to choose from and, and so when I looked him up one of the things that kept jumping out at me that on uh, different articles that I saw was from Next Gen Stats. He actually had, I want to say, I hope I say this right, you know how next-gen stats are for a 51-year-old man, okay, Rob? I'm, I, tr- <laughs> I try, I try. But he has the most separation from defenders. He created the most separation from defenders last season out of all the wide receivers, out, out of all the running backs and tight ends, I know, uh, if, I, if I understand everything right, which may be a indication of why he signed with Kansas City, why Kansas City went out and, and had him. And that's in the New York Giant offense that's kind of clustered up there a little bit. So I thought that was good news. I, I thought, boy, that sounds like something that Andy Reid would really like. So that's why I took Richie, uh, why I gave him a little bit of an edge over all the other players I was looking at. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Um, I Like I said, I I think it's a that's a good uh, point to point out there the the separation stuff and um obviously uh you know when you get a, such a guy like that that produced in a offense where you know because it was kind of like the giants and kansas city have kind of like a similar build um they both have that alpha tight end obviously kelsey's better than than waller um mahomes is better than daniel jones so like but then after that they both have like big question marks as who's going to be the next guy at wide receiver and Richie James was a guy who emerged last year as one of the favorites among that group. And there's no reason to think he might be able to do the same uh, there, uh, especially given the metrics that he put up. All right. All right. Hey, uh, let's tie up some loose ends here. If you don't mind, uh, you, got, you still got a minute or your water coming up from the floors or how's, how's that working? The water is going back out now. So okay. we're, we're on the, we're on the right path. All right. Hey, something I saw, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I'm headed over to underdog here, Rob, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't look the same to me in that uniform. I mean, you talk about somebody who yeah. looks like they, they got a, you know, aged a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he's just cleaner cut. You know, maybe I'm thinking of Green Bay Packer Aaron Rodgers where he just came to training camp in jeans and long hair and beards, just whatever, but maybe the retreat, the darkness retreat worked out for him pretty well. I don't know. He looks different though. Yeah. He's it's, it's interesting. Um, he, he does look different. Like you said, um, I'm excited to see though, what he can do this year, uh, in, in a different situation and what he can do to boost those pass catchers for the jets. All right. Uh, me too. I am Sam Laporta is headed for a big role. Do you believe that? Uh, I'm so I'm torn on it because I think there's a path to it, but I'm always very skeptical to buy into rookie tight ends. Okay, I agree. Uh, but Jared Goff does pretty well at the yeah. helm for Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, if there's somebody, <laughs> sounds weird, sounds weird to say, but if there's somebody who can do well with uh, makes makes Sam Laporta do well, I think it could be a little Jared Goff. I I, I do. I I and I think back to the Tyler Higby days and everything and. 
I think about how Jared Goff does not like to be blitzed at all. So, you know, again, Sam LaPorter hangs around the line of scrimmage. Big-bodied guy. If he could just create a little separation, I think Jared Goff will find him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's he's a good player, like you said, and uh, Jared Goff is a good quarterback. So, um, yeah, after Amonra, you know, especially with uh, Jameson out the first six to eight weeks or whatever it is, I think, and uh, he uh, – he could be a, a big target for them. Or David Montgomery could steal all his touches. Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson. He is running around in the NFL world trying to find a job. The Patriots had him in for one, too. Do you think Daryl Henderson might be one of those late-round dart throws that you could take a shot on? It's possible. It's possible. Um, man, it's hard for me to get behind a guy that, like Daryl Henderson, who I mean, I had I had him in drafts last year, um, considering he was with the Rams and you know he was the looked like the clear handcuff, and he got some work for a while, and then just all of a sudden got cut and didn't play. So, um, yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, I guess if he signs somewhere, his stock is going to go up for sure. It's just the same as you know any of the other free agents. As soon as they sign, there's more clarity and, and their stock will go up. So it's possible, um, but I'm not optimistic. Brees Hall was placed on the pup list, Rob. I, I, that was that was one of the names that, that popped in my head. Like, okay, I, I can get your guy, the guy you, who you have, whatever is the, the, the big long name guy, okay, <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the Jets. I could get him, or I could get Zonovan Knight too. He's still out there running around. Yep. So I I do I I would want to say Zonovan Knight, big bam man, he he made a big impact last season. I, what do you think? Who who? What do you think? Yeah, it's also there's also and there's also Michael Carter there too. Um, probably play a change of pace role. Um, I kind of think I mean I think Zonovan Knight did fine, but I the thing with um Israel, uh, we call him Izzy Abanaconda is uh. He had he had crazy like he I think he was like the number two most athletic like score among running backs maybe the first athletic highest athletic score among running backs in this draft class so he's he's definitely explosive and fast um, so I kind of th- I kind of think they'd rather um, hand work over to him and see what he's got but Zonovan Knight is a guy though that has proven to do well when given some opportunity. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if Abanaconda doesn't really do anything, um, they could turn to night for sure. Oh yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So, uh, boy, it's going to be tough. It's gonna be, that last pick is going to be tough. Cause I, I like what yeah. you said about the running back thing too. I like what you said. Hey Rob, yeah. I got a couple of rankings here from underdog. If you don't mind me asking, okay. As mm-hmm. I know you do a lot of best ball stuff. A lot of people are still doing a lot of best ball stuff over there on underdog. I don't. I don't see any quarterbacks going in like these top twelve picks. I, I don't see any quarterbacks going at all until Patrick Mahomes, and he's going down there. Twenty one. Twenty one. What What's the deal with the with the quarterbacks? Yeah. So it's funny because they, you know, they they've kind of been pushed up compared to um, the past couple years, but at right. the same time, yeah, compared to compared to like years ago, they're going lower. I think. Um, the past couple of years, they pushed up the elite ones a little bit. Um, but at the same time at 21, yeah, I, I don't mind doing it, but I prefer to take like some elite 
you know, skill players in that range. Jay or Jalen Hurts is the guy I prefer to go with in that range among those QBs. Um, he's my top ranked QB, and then Josh Allen, then Mahomes. So I haven't really been getting a whole bunch of Mahomes. Um, usually, the time I'll get, I'll take some Mahomes is if I take Travis Kelsey in the first, mm-hmm. and then come back in the second and maybe take Mahomes and get the stack for the best ball purposes. And just so that way I can have a little bit of Mahomes and Kelsey, um, knowing that I don't do it very often. Justin Herbert's going 54-6 there, and Justin Fields is going 49.5. It seems like you could if you know, wait around for those guys a little bit. Joe Burrow is going 45.3, so it just seems like you could wait around for those guys in the fourth fourth round. You could still try and get some of those people it seems like plenty of good quarterbacks to choose from if you just choose to wait. Yeah, all those guys going fourth, fifth round, um, all of them have a lot of upside and all of them really good. And um, Fields is my favorite of the group there uh, because of the running. And I also like the ability to – usually he's going right on that uh, four or five turn, same with DJ Moore. And I've been you know always big on DJ Moore. So I, lo- I kind of love like if I have that turn there – um, early, early first round pick, um, taking DJ Moore and Justin Fields, uh, right there on that turn, uh, works out pretty well. So, so yeah, that Fields is probably my favorite of that grouping. Okay, I got a question. I don't, I, I've heard people trying to argue this back and forth all season long, you know, pre draft season or redraft season. Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, I think everybody's consensus number one feels like it's Justin Jefferson, but then some people bring up Jamar Chase, and I'm going, you're just trying to be contrarian. I don't, I don't understand the the love and infatuation for him over somebody like a CMC, over somebody like a Tyree Kill. I can, maybe maybe I can over Cooper Cup. I, I would even take Travis Kelsey over Jamar Chase just simply because I, I haven't seen Jamar Chase put together those egregious numbers right his rookie year fine 1455 yards but you and i talked about that that there was just such a high per catch uh yards per catch ratio that that wasn't going to be able to be duplicated and then last season he only had 1046 and only nine touchdowns what what am i missing what am i not thinking about rob well for what it's for what it's worth it was he did miss games and okay so so he was actually, you know, on a pace of like, I think it was like 14, 1500 yards again um, and 13 touchdowns again. Um, and again, he had more targets last year in five less games, more receptions in five less games. So he was on like a pretty crazy pace. He scored more points per game last year. But I mean, I, I understand why you wouldn't. I do have him. Second, I don't have him first. I do think when people are putting him first, I think I think he could finish first. I'm not saying he couldn't, um, but I do think I've heard some people say they've they've cited like a stat where no no wide receiver has finished back to back number one wide receiver since Antonio Brown did it for like three straight years, you know, like ten years ago or whatever it was. I don't think that's a great reason to <laughs> to to uh, that's just a narrative reason like that it doesn't have anything to do with um these guys specifically like it's just it's just a an interesting stat that's occurred and because the thing is is like before antonio brown did it three three years in a row no one really did it three years in a row for for a long time either so then people would have just been ranking antonio brown below someone else just just because 
no one else did it in the past. That's like, so I do have Jefferson first. I have Chase. I do have Chase second uh, personally, but I have them all. I have those top four all in the same like tier essentially. Jefferson, Chase, Cup, and Hill. Um, I think it's fine if people want to put it any which which way, but I understand, like you said, I understand why you'd be um, skeptical about putting him putting him above some of those guys. Uh, good, good argument. Uh, I think that there's going to be a wide receiver dead zone, starting around Stephon Diggs at seven eight, all the way down through Devontae Adams at fourteen one. A lot of concerns for me right there with those guys: it's Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Devontae Adams. Stephon Diggs just doesn't seem like a happy camper. I'm glad DeAndre Hopkins didn't go to Buffalo because now we can know Stephon Diggs will still be the high volume guy, right? Right. So I'm 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 a little bit more comfortable with him than I am with AJ Brown. CeeDee Lamb has me scared, though. He's the alpha male in Dallas, but then the system has changed there this season, Rob. I I, yeah. I almost want to say that I want to put uh, and Amon Ra over the top of C.D. Lamb. And you know I'm not high on Garrett Wilson. So I would have those guys ranked like a Stephon Diggs, Amon Ra St. Brown, and then A.J. Brown. I, I could be wrong there. I I just expect big things out of Amon Ra this year. No, that's 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 fair for sure. I have Amon Ra pretty high too. Um, I do have Lamb one spot ahead. I Like mine goes Diggs, Lamb, Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, A.J. Brown, Adams for me in that in that grouping, but um, I understand putting putting um, Amonra and them above Lamb AJ and I, I can I can understand that for sure. I think I like I said I have those all in the same tier really. Devontae Adams is the one I'm the most worried about, right. and I mean he's the one that's going the latest, so it makes sense. I think he's I think he's a stud. I mean he's he's obviously a stud, but he he went. It seemed like he went there to play with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is gone. Um, they're in a situation where Jacobs might hold out. Jimmy G is Jimmy G is, I mean, questionable. We don't know what's going on with, with him in terms of the injury. They could be in a real, real bad way this season. Uh, and Devonte Adams being a veteran who, like I said, went there to play with uh, Derek Carr, who's no longer there. I would not be surprised one bit if, uh, if, the season starts going south if we see a um, some kind of injury keeping Devonte Adams out of games. No, I yeah, some kind of injury. I like how you said that. Some <laughs> kind of injury uh, keeping him out. Yeah, and the the coaching staff. You know, I started thinking about Josh Jacobs' situation a little bit more, and I, I think about how many how what those players think of the head coach. You know, it, it doesn't seem like it's going well for him there. And I just why would Josh Jacobs want to play? There and then, why would why would Devonte Adams want to play in Las Vegas? You know what I mean? Like, there's nobody winning mm-hmm. them over. So I, I can hear and understand what you're saying. Yeah, no, for sure, I I agree. And um, it's funny you mentioned though with the with Lamb too. Um, I was gonna say Mario over at the <laughs> the Dad Bod guys. He he is right in line with you. Um, he is he is worried about the drop off in the offense going from Kellen Moore to um, whoever they have, I don't, I don't even know who they have now, honestly. And and I know McDaniel's might be calling plays, um, so he's worried about that situation overall um, in in Dallas. And it very well could 
come into fruition. I, I just love CD lamb as a player. And I think he's been pretty much an alpha and he's, yeah. he's really young. So like he still is ascending, I think, and coming into his prime. Um, so it's hard for me to not drop him too much, but yeah, it could be a situation where the, and then Garrett Wilson, I love, I mean, I love Garrett Wilson, just amount the stuff that he did last year as a rookie with, with the QB situation. And now they have Aaron Rodgers, who should be even if he's not the same Aaron Rodgers as he used to be. I mean, he's he's a uh, he's not Zach Wilson either. So, um, so yeah, it, it should be a lot lot more fruitful situation for Garrett Wilson. I'm pretty high on him um, as well. Okay, yeah, I know you are, and and I I don't blame you at all. It, it, looking at the targets and looking at the receptions and stuff, it, I I can understand why people are really high on those guys. I I really can. Um, just, I have some trepidation whenever I enter that little area and I, I think about maybe even a Devonta Smith. I'd just rather wait if I didn't get one of those guys. I felt more secure about waiting on a Devonta Smith, um, T Higgins, not necessarily only 110 targets the last two years is what he's had. DK Metcalf had a ton of targets. It actually seems like DK Metcalf is, is in store for, if you have a, a progression instead of a regression, seems like he should be able to have that. Like the touchdowns were only six last year, had 12 his rookie mm-hmm. season, big body, strong guy, that kind of stuff. Had a thousand yards last year, 141 targets, 90 receptions, only finished with 181 fantasy points. It, it, that stuff doesn't add up properly. I don't know what it was last year, but just not adding up. Yeah. And the crazy part. So, um, he had the second most red zone targets in the NFL among all receivers. He had 27 red zone targets. Um, he had a 37.5% red zone target share. Um, and yeah, like you said, career high 141 targets. And yeah, I, I like DK Metcalf a lot. Um, I think he's going to do perfectly fine. I could see him putting together and, you know, if he gets the same amount of targets again, he could put another 90 to hundred catch for season up, which that's the first time he's kind of really done that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the yards ticked back up to the 11, 12, 1300 yard range and the touchdowns closer, closer to 10. If he gets that kind of uh, volume again, um, the only reason I, so I like, like I said, I like DK a lot. The only reason I don't draft more DK probably, cause I have them like right in line with consensus is I just have a lot. I draft a lot of Tyler Lockett above consensus. And yes. so, um, it's, it's, uh, it's hard for me unless I'm for sure getting Gino. The thing is I have Gino well above consensus too. So I don't mind taking honestly both DK, uh, Lockett and Gino. <laughs> You're a crazy guy. Hey, uh, <laughs> one, one more thing here is that we enter this wide receiver room. I, I, I see after that DK little, little area, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy and Christian Watson without getting on a lug fest for Christian Watson again. Okay. Without, <laughs> uh, we get, those guys are all running around that 33 ish, 32 ish to 40 mark. Uh, as far as drafts go, I look at this. Calvin Ridley has me a little concerned. There are a lot of miles to feed mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. We don't know what he's going to yep. exactly do. It's hard to, it's hard. It's hard to think about what he's going to do there. And who's he going to take targets away from? Does Trevor Lawrence have a favorite? I, I, I don't know if he, Trevor Lawrence has a favorite, but he sure had a good connection with Kirk. He sure had a good connection with Ingram towards the end of the year. Not ETN necessarily in the passing game, but there's just a lot of people there. Amari Cooper, yeah, we saw what he could do kind of towards the end of the year, but you know, it's, we, we still got to see that. I, I'm Debo, we've talked. Keenan Allen seems to be the guy who's just slipping under the radar here 
Rob, and he only had 89 targets last season. Maybe that's the reason why. Four touchdowns. But the year before that, he had 157 targets, 106 receptions. I think people are thinking about maybe that Keenan Allen always gets hurt. But I I can't – if I'm going to take a chance on somebody, I'm going to take a chance on Keenan Allen instead of taking a chance on a Jerry Judy to bounce back or uh, anybody like that there at at that Debo Samuel again. I I don't know. Keenan Allen makes me feel comfortable. Yep, I'm right there with you. Um, Keenan Allen is my favorite of the group, aside from Christian Watson, obviously, that I've mentioned plenty of times before. Um, but I have Keenan Allen like maybe a spot or two behind Christian Watson, so it's not, I, I have him right there. Uh, we talked about Kellen Moore. He's he's now the uh, offensive coordinator in Los Angeles, so we could see um, a more pass-friendly, uh, pass-happy, deep ball passing, um, which you would think would help uh, Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnston and, uh, Mike Williams more, but Keenan Allen's the, one of the best, uh, route runners in the game and still is last year. Like you said, he, he only had 89 targets, but again, that was only 10 games played. So it was still, you know, near nine targets a game, six and a half, uh, receptions a game. He was right in line with everything. Like his yards per reception was right in line, his points per fantasy points per game, so it was 16.4. So this is the last like one, two, three, four, five, six years now. 16.4, 16.1, 17.5, 16.3, 17.2, 17.8. Pretty consistent. He's had 157, 147, 150, 137, 159 targets. He's had 100 plus catches in uh, four of the last six years, 97 plus in the five of the last six years. And then last year was only down because of games played. So and the thing is, like, people will say he gets hurt a lot, but he really has been pretty healthy since 2017. Uh, 16 games, 15, 16, 14, 16, and then last year was uh, 10. So I still think he's um, – I don't think he's uh, washed yet. Um, I still think he's got it. And being tied to such a great offense, I love Keenan Allen in that range. Yeah, I don't blame you. I uh, Disservice. Everybody, we're insulting Derrick Henry. Are we not in these drafts? I mean, this is insulting. Having Derrick yeah. Henry at the 22-4, that's insulting, man. <laughs> you know, seriously, he had, think about this. He had 349 attempts last season for 1,500. <laughs> 349 rushing attempts. How many games in a season, Rob? 17? 17 games, yeah. What, what was he averaging? Like a thousand carries per per game? Is that that's a lot, <laughs> yeah, man? I think so. I think so. He was uh yeah, number one in the league. Number one in the league, almost twenty-two right. a game. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh thirty-three he's... receptions though, too. Almost four hundred receiving yards, which is out of the normal, I guess, for Derrick Henry, you would think. Uh and but finished with two hundred and eighty-six fantasy points, thirteen touchdowns downs that that stuff ain't changing all that much man i know deandre Hopkins is going there i know that that stuff ain't changing all that much rob norton yeah the thing i loved to see was the reception jump up because throughout his career he had 13 11 15 18 19 18 and then all of a sudden last year spiked with spike 33 if he can keep that 33 reception pace up even you know if he can get 30 plus catches on the season for you know another 300 plus yards that's a huge boost um because he was not getting that before um yeah his efficiency has dipped a little bit the past couple years but when you're getting that type of volume it's it's crazy i mean he scored 18.9 points per game 24.2 20.8 19.6 but a top four guy 
in points per game past four years. Um, they, did, they didn't even have a quarterback last season. You know what I mean? Like, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Halfway mark, they had no quarterback at all. At all. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the offense. That's the thing is, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins sign. But I think it just helps the offense as a whole. Um, the offense should the be better. Yeah. 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 The offense should be better. Traylon Burks coming into the season should should be better. Last season he was a rookie and he came in out of shape and banged up. Um, this season it's from what from what it sounds like he's um, you know best shape of his life quote unquote. But um, looks like a different player is what everyone says. He's came come more focused. Chig Okonkwo, uh flash last season. He should he should be able to um, you know be very efficient receiver again this year. Get a bigger role. That I mean. The funny part is, you know, people are disrespecting Derrick Henry and they're kind of like leaving Ryan Tannehill for dead. <laughs> yeah, but it's like this this team was one game away from playoffs and, and uh, you know, playing and almost beat the Jaguars who were a playoff team. They did it almost with Josh Dobbs, I think. So it's just like this this team's going to be better than people are going to be giving them credit for. I hope the Jameer Gibbs things work out for everybody. I really do. I hope it does. Rob, I really do. But but to be going above at 38, above Najee Harris at 38.2, I, 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 I can't. He wasn't healthy. Najee Harris wasn't healthy last year. Both Alabama yeah. running backs. But Najee is going to be fed the ball a million times too. You know what I mean? Like we're a Derrick Henry volume-esque. We're, I know he's not going to get the 74 receptions that he had in 2021, but he's still going to get possibly 40 to 50 receptions. And the offense should be a little bit better. Mitch Trubisky is not starting a quarterback for them, I don't think, at the beginning of the year, <laughs> along with whoever else they had. Weren't they? They were kind of rotating quarterbacks before they just finally went with uh, the rookie. You know, I think I think mm-hmm. that's how it went there. So they might be a little bit more solidified there. Najee Harris might have a little bit more of a role. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Jameer Gibbs. I, I just don't know, and I I can't see why people would take. Uh, I guess it's high upside that they want, but. I would personally take Najee Harris if I had to choose between two. Yeah, I have, I do have Najee Harris slightly above uh, Gibbs. The honestly, the most egregious one to me is the Mixon. <laughs> Mixon being because blo- here's the thing is about Mixon. Everything you said about Harris is the exact same for Mixon. Sure. Yeah, you, you talked about Harris gonna Harris gonna be um, fed the ball. Mixon will be fed the ball in, in that offense. Harris gets you know. 50, 50, 40, 50 catches. Mixon got 60 catches last year. Um, Harris, you know, going to be a workhorse. Mixon will be a workhorse. And Mixon's going to be doing it in one of the best offenses in the NFL. So, like, that's what's wild to me is Mixon, to me, Mixon is the better version of Najee Harris. And he's going 10 picks later. And then on top of it, like I said, I already have Harris above Gibbs. So I definitely have Mixon above both of them. And, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I want to take, I like, that's the thing is like, I see the path for upside with Gibbs and I will say I've taken Gibbs a little bit here and there in some best ball just to kind of get some exposure to him. But I, I am, I'm definitely below consensus, unfortunately. No, I, and or I, fortunately, I maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, and I do like the mix and talk there a little bit more because he is, is way down there, way down there right now. And I don't think there's any legal ramifications coming his way whatsoever hey uh, one more here one more guy okay or i guess little section here at number 60 comes in alexander madison 
I may have missed some news. I don't know. I don't know why he's being drafted at 60 and J.K. Dobbins is being drafted at 56.9. All I've ever seen out of the Baltimore Ravens' backfield is a shared carry load, not only between Lamar and the running backs, but also the running backs between the running backs. And not only do they have Gus Edwards there to share with J.K. Dobbins, but there's also the other guy. I, I can't remember his name, but they always like to get him involved too. And then they pick somebody up off the street to get him involved too. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. And I don't understand why people are taking J.K. Dobbins at 56.9, other than it's always the the talk about J.K. Dobbins being as good as he is. And he is explosive yeah. back, explosive back, but he's a Baltimore Raven running back, Rob. 100% agree. I'm glad someone else <laughs> agrees with me because I feel like, I feel like that, that meme on Twitter where, you know, name a where it says name name a take that you have that has people like this and you're you're the guy with the sword and you're the whole like crowd of warriors coming at you and you're just trying to defend defend against it. That's what I feel like with JK Dobbins because like JK Dobbins is a Twitter a fantasy Twitter darling. People love JK Dobbins. They 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 want to make JK Dobbins happen. Um they you know everyone I feel like everyone who is like a you know and this is no knock on on Debbie guys or anything else like that, but like the the Debbie guy, a lot of the Debbie community seems to really love J.K. Dobbins because they love him back from when he was in Ohio State, and I get it. I mean, I loved him at Ohio State. I'm an Ohio State fan, and I love the talent. The guy's been super efficient. He was super efficient as a as a Raven, but that's what the Ravens do. They have super efficient running backs because yes. they have Lamar. And it's like when you have a running quarterback. The efficiency of all the players goes up because the threat of the running quarterback can hold guys and create bigger lanes for running backs. It's just it just is what it is. But here's the thing, like you said, here's the thing with with running quarterbacks, they don't throw to the running backs anywhere near as often because when the pocket breaks down, instead of checking down, they take off and run. So those are a lot of touches that don't get to go to Dobbins because Lamar is going to take off and run. Lamar also can run near the goal line and get touchdowns himself. That's a touchdown that doesn't go to Dobbins. Lamar, all the yards he gets, those are yards that don't go to Dobbins. So, and then on top of it, like you said, Gus Edwards is still there, and he's he's been efficient too. He's he's been efficient. He's been successful in that scheme. Um, other guys they bring in are successful. I would think I was looking back um, because I was arguing, I was debating with someone about Dobbins and and uh, I don't think anyone any running back that's played with Lamar in the NFL has had more than like 200 carries or 200. Wow. It's like I think Ingram had 208 or 207 or something like that that first year, and I think people are kind of kind of living off of that Ingram year. But you know, if you remember, Ingram was he was he was RB10 that year. But and he did it. He, the way he did it is he got 15 touchdowns. So he had 15 touchdowns and still was only RB 10. Um, so you know he was he barely broke that top 10 with that many touchdowns. That's Dobbins' path to getting at that that kind of top 10. Um, and but I agree with you. Like I t- I'm taking Alexander Madison over Dobbins. I'm taking Sanders over Dobbins. I'm taking Acres over Dobbins. I'm taking Damian Pierce over Dobbins. I'm taking um, James Conner over Dobbins, um, and then it's yeah. gets close there. I know you probably take Monty even over Dobbins. What um, you talking about? <laughs> no, and and even with Jake, uh, Gus Edwards may be the goal line back in that situation. It's you know, a, yeah. and, and 
But it's not. It's, it's Lamar Jackson is the goal line back. Mark Andrews is the goal line back in that situation. I mean, it's going to be a passing play to Andrews or something now. And then you also have Odell Beckham going there, right? And you got a yep. healthy Rashad Bateman. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on in Baltimore with a new offensive coordinator there as well with a new system. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. And you still have the turf monsters in the practice fields for the Baltimore Ravens as well. So the J.K. Dobbins thing just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I, I like talking about this stuff, not for my sake, but hopefully for listeners' sake, because I know you put thought into it, uh, maybe probably even more than I ever ever have in my entire life. Okay. <laughs> just for the se- one season you have. But at the same time, it, it's one of those things where I know if I'm wrong, you're not going to hesitate to tell me where I'm wrong. And if people are thinking like me, and sometimes, you know, Rob, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know a little secret. Sometimes I'm wrong on purpose. Okay. Not yep. always, but sometimes I'm wrong on purpose because I do want to show the other side of things in case somebody is thinking like I am so that you can correct that or just get the other side, not correct it necessarily. Cause we don't know this fantasy football. We don't know what's going to happen. JK Dobbins may have a, a record season. He may end up with those 200 carries. I don't know how he's going to get there, but he, he may end up with those 200 carries. He may have more than seven receptions like he had last season. He may, he may triple that to 21 receptions. I mean, <laughs> if he plays that many games, he, he may quadruple his 77 fantasy points from last, last year. And that's a lot of points. Okay, but you know what I mean? I mean, he's 77 fantasy points. We don't know what's going to happen with J.K. Dobbins. We don't know what's going to happen with Gus Edwards. We don't know what's going to happen with all these guys, but it's fun to talk about, isn't it? It is. It 100% is. That's why we love it. Somebody was saying the other day that they're thinking about quitting fantasy football. I'm like, I understand. I get it. He said, I just just can't. uh, The teams just don't seem like they used to be. I said, well, I've learned that it's more fun to talk about than it is to actually play the game, maybe even. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it could be it could be <laughs> good job rob norton at norton 0723 over on twitter at norton 0723 over there on tiktok as well don't forget to check out that dad bod fantasy squad where rob goes there as well on tuesday and rob i look forward to getting the my fantasy league email invites coming into my and i said invites i said plural there uh <laughs> <laughs> sent to my email address here very shortly Yep, yep. Be on the lookout uh, probably sometime Saturday afternoon, early evening. All right. Hey, I wish you luck. Look forward to are – you, are you in Razz Bowl? Are you doing that one? I am. I am, yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well. Well, I just I'll just I'll let you know that I'm going to throw away all my Scott Fishbowl rankings and throw them out into the trash just so I can have new Razbowl rankings. So don't, if you're in the same division as me, don't be sniping me, brother. You know who I like. Yes. I'm going to let you have your guys. Don't be sniping me, man. That's true. We can we can make that a deal. A gentleman's a gentleman's agreement there. Okay. No, no. I wish you luck. I wish you luck. <laughs> hey, good job by you. Make sure you check out the Fantasy Impact Today Twitter handle as well at FI Today with a little underscore where this will be posted. We will also post pinned tweets on both of those Rob Nortons on the Fantasy Impact Today. We'll post pinned tweets about how to enter the Baby Bowl in case you're interested in doing that. And don't forget to check out Loafing It. And always, as always, make sure that you are going to make a, good, a, a big impact in somebody's life today. <laughs>